Hi, Alejandra. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Excited to chat. Can you tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Yes. Okay. So I grew up in New Jersey, in Bergen County, in a town called Hasbrook Heights. Um, it's about 15 to 20 minutes outside the city. And I was actually, I was born in New York City. I grew up, or I lived in Forest Hills until I was about four. Um, and then my, my family moved to New Jersey because my dad worked um, in Jersey and he was doing a weird reverse commute. So we moved to Jersey. Um, but New York was very much always a part of New York, meaning the city was very much a seamless part of our life. So even though we were in Jersey and kind of, you know, 15, 20 minutes away, we'd pop in and back and forth all the time because we had family and relatives. We'd go to restaurants, we'd go to events. Um, And I say that because a lot of the people that I grew up with, like my neighbors even, would never go to New York, right? Like New York (laughs) City was this like, it's the city and you go on your anniversary and you go to the Broadway show or like the ballet at Lincoln Center once or twice a year, maybe. Um, But for us, it was just like an extension of where we lived. Um, And my parents, like, you know, we'd go to restaurants. We, my, both my parents lived in the city when they came, um, they both were born in Puerto Rico and came to Puerto Rico separately. They didn't know each other. They met here uh, in their 20s. And so they had lived in Puerto Rico in their late 20s, I mean, in in New York City in their late 20s and early 30s. So especially for my dad, who lives in Greenwich Village, um, it was very much like, let's go to the village and walk around. And he showed us where he lived. And he was all about like Mahmoud's falafel uh, <laughs> shop, like, because he's like, this is where I used to eat. And we would go there. And he, uh, there was his apartment, his apartment was on Sullivan Street. And up until I was about 14 years old, we would go buy it. And his name was still in like the doorbell list. <laughs> um I'm sure the rent, like he paid like, I don't know, like $200 rent. And it was like, I looked it up once and it was like 5,000 or something for this like studio. I was like, of course, (laughs) like he he lived the life. Um, But that was, you know, we love to come in for like the festivals. We'd come into like, you know, San Gennaro and we'd go to um, little Italian restaurants in little Italy. And we'd, uh, my dad's a big Carmine's fan. He loves like the big family style ordering from the wall and like you know a giant platter of like chicken parm or whatever so we did a lot of those um and so yeah that was like the New York food was pretty much also part of like what we grew up eating but in terms of what we ate at home um it was I almost I want I feel like I want to say everything because it was very varied uh so there's a lot of influences in terms of our food so obviously Puerto Rican family, there was Puerto Rican food, um, what my mom cooked, sort of the staples. So we'd have like picadillo, which is that ground beef um, thing. And it's it's nice talking to you because I'm like, I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like usually when I talk about things, I have to like translate everything. I'm like, just honest, smash fried plantains. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's nice to be able to just, you know, say the things and whatever. You can Google it if you don't know. <laughs> But um, I'm like running and grabbing my plug because, okay, we're good. Sorry. Um, Yeah. So we ate picadillo. There was always rice. There was always like, you know, pot of beans, kind of those staples. There was always a lot of like, you know, like either sweet plantains or tostones, like those kinds of things. Avocados, always like a ripe avocado. And my dad for everything would be like, ayahuacate. Um, (laughs) And my mom's like, yeah, my mom would be like, yeah, but it's not ready yet. It needs another day. (laughs) 
Um, so those are kind of things. But then also my mom's super health conscious um, and has always been. And so there was a lot of that kind of 80s and 90s style health food. So sometimes even the Puerto Rican food was sort of healthified in that 80s and 90s style. So lots of like steamed vegetables and brown rice, which I still hate to this day. <laughs> <laughs> um alfalfa sprouts showed up a lot a lot of like we only had whole wheat bread in my house my mom was very um you know like I was in Girl Scouts and any kind of school activities and stuff my mom would be like don't eat what they serve you and she would like send me with my my own little like weird snacks that were like healthy um but I'm I'm an Aquarius so I enjoy being a weirdo so I was always like yes I have my exclusive personal snacks I can't eat what you're serving <laughs> um yeah, so I feel like a lot of uh, kids, you know, like the quote unquote ethnic kids talk about, you know, you're sort of the stinky lunch, stink, uh, stinky lunch. Yeah. You know, like you're bringing like the weird things into school and the kids make fun of you and you feel weird about it. But I loved having the weird food. Like I loved <laughs> any excuse to have something strange and different and that nobody knew what it was and like, you know, that I had to explain it. I was, you know, it, it just, it was probably just like an opportunity for me to show off. So, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, and in, in addition to that, it was, you know, it's New Jersey, North Jersey. So a lot of Italian food, a lot of those red sauce restaurants, like every restaurant in my hometown is like Bella Napoli, Bella Romagna, <laughs> Italia Bella, like it's a lot of that. Um, yeah. yeah. So all over the place. It was like a nice, you know, varied diet, I think. Right. Right. No, yeah. Very, yeah. Similar for me, except my mom never had a health moment, but I always had to have a different lunch from everyone because I was so picky. And like, well, yeah, I don't I usually say I wasn't picky. I was snobby because I, <laughs> I refused to eat like white bread and I refused to eat like what they sold in the cafeteria. Like yeah. it, I was just yeah. terrible. And then like when I got to high school, I would just like eat french fries like that was the only thing mm -hmm. I would eat that they served I don't know I just yeah I was terrible um but I, I also like reveled in the fact that like I wouldn't eat the things that other people yeah <laughs> and it's like I guess that like is a you know born food uh person like I don't know born food you know writer type thing I guess where it's yeah. like I have to be different in this from everyone else and and I think that's a good thing um exactly yeah. yeah it's almost like the version of, you know there's like that music thing where it's like I heard the band first or I right. saw them before they were big I was like that way with food where it's like oh I've been eating kale since before you people heard about it <laughs> you know there was right. I would always make a point of like mentioning the weird things that we had and there was also some like so there was this health food restaurant in Hackensack which is like the next town over uh next town over being such a north jersey thing to say all right um but so this this health food restaurant that we would go to all the time and they had like a lot of like weird random thing like you know like the, the typical again 80s 90s health food stuff but strangely enough they also sold rum cake Ooh. um that was like not at all health food i don't <laughs> know why they sold it, it was, well the health food place was owned by latinos so i wonder uh -huh. if it was like they were just like, oh, and then also we have our rum cake. Uh, so we would go there all the time. And then my, you know, like my parents knew like the owners and we'd go there and I was obsessed with that rum cake and I would like eat it all the time. And like, it was like, we'd get it for Christmas. So that's like one of like, th there were like all these like these weird little things. There was also these sort of peanut butter cup type candy. Like it was like a basically healthy version of like, you know, of like Reese's peanut butter cups, mm -hmm. but they were like made with carob and then the filling had like Ooh. honey I'm, yeah and I, I, I know they're like which could go could go you know 
either way very yeah. easily but <laughs> I love those so I used to love bringing those like my weird carob and like honey cups to school <laughs> <laughs> no that um, sounds so yeah. good yeah yeah I feel delicious yeah sometimes I'm like oh I think sometimes I'm doing these interviews just to get get to people's like health food <laughs> sagas like from and, oh, yeah. and to hear about people doing like yeah all the vegetarian restaurants that existed or like health food stores that existed like outside of urban centers like that yeah. is like my favorite thing like I always want to know what oh, those totally. places were like <laughs> well like that's actually I don't even know why I completely forgot to mention this but we were vegetarian for a oh, while wow. so for like yeah totally so for a few years as kids and I I Actually, I totally meant to like ask my mom for more details about this beforehand, um, but I forgot. But anyway, so I forgot like what years it, it was, but it was when we were young. Um, we were vegetarians for a while. And my parents have always been very like sort of, especially my mom's always been like very searchy in terms of the faith, uh, faith and spirituality. And like we were always like always was trying different things and basically like bringing the rest of the family along on her <laughs> journeys. Um, and so for a while we were like going to this place where it was all about yoga and meditation. And every week we'd have to go to this place and do yoga and meditation. And, um, and like, I remember my brother and I hated it cause like it smelled like feet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, it was like that yoga studio smell, but like yeah. as kids, just like, ugh. Um, and both of us are hate, but the only thing we liked about it was that like after like the yoga and like meditation session, there was this big vegetarian feast. Ooh. So I love that because then it was like this like awesome meal and they used to do these like oatmeal fritters. Um, yeah. And they would make uh, muffins that they would, there were like these like, it was like fruit sugar muffins. Like they would use like fructose because they thought it was better for you at the time, <laughs> even though it's very much not but um so they would but it was they would use that and it was like all these like different dishes that they would make that I was obsessed with and we had the cookbook from like that center and it had like all the different recipes so as kids those were like the recipes that we ate and then I remember that in our school would do those like cookbooks where it's like they have every mom send in you know five recipes um and so my mom sent the recipes that were like from that cookbook and she like you know she wrote each one out that was like Alejandra's favorite Gabrielle's delight <laughs> Gabrielle is my brother um and she like illustrated them and they were so cute and I was I still have this cookbook I, I'll actually I'll take a picture of it send it to you yeah. but it's it's so cute because like hers was like the nicest ones I'm like this is so my mom like it was like, <laughs> it was typed when most of the other ones are like handwritten and hers was like illustrated hold <laughs> I was like oh my god of course my mom's is like the overachiever one um but it's got a lot of those vegetarian recipes in there and it's got the oatmeal fritters and stuff um oh, wow. so yeah so uh, so we did that for a few years and then I think we still slowly started easing out of it. I'm a hundred percent sure my dad was first. Yeah. I do remember there was an incident of him bringing home a bucket of chicken um, <laughs> where he was just like, I'm over it. Uh, and then I think my brother kind of was next uh, in line. And then I was kind of one of the holdouts with my mom. I think I started eating seafood or distinctly remember a lot of like McDonald's filet of fishes entering into my life at one point. <laughs> Like the the square fish and the like right. inexplicable slice of cheese, um, <laughs> and then um, and then I sort of like ended up leaving it, and then my mom eventually. I know she held out for like a bit longer, and then sort of kind of went into I don't know just normal like health food stuff, not just strictly vegetarian. Um, but I do remember there was one vegetarian Thanksgiving that's kind of 
famous in our house because it was the first vegetarian Thanksgiving. And my brother just didn't understand that there wasn't going to be turkey. Um, and so they, my mom made all the stuff. And then my brother's like, well, where's the turkey? And my mom's like, well, we're vegetarians. We don't eat turkey. And he burst out crying. Mm. <laughs> I know. And it was the centerpiece was, I mean, and you're going to love this. It was a lentil loaf with a bechamel mm. sauce. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. My poor little brother. He It's just like the tears streaming down his face. And basically, we're all kind of like, I think even my dad was like, wait, there really isn't going to be a turkey. <laughs> like, like this, this is a joke. Um, so, yeah. So that's my mom. Like, every Thanksgiving, we're like, remember the bechamel lentil loaf? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, well, yeah. that's funny because I rem- you've you've cooked like a lot of vegetarian or vegan kind of as a as a private cook, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so one of the fifty thousand jobs that I do <laughs> is, which you know this well, um, I my friend Tisha. So okay, the I um a few years ago I ended up going on a culinary retreat in Vermont at this place called Good Commons. Um, and I ended up hitting it off with the owner. Her name is Tisha Buss. She's amazing. She's a former Broadway dancer. She was in Cats. Um, and then she went up to, she had a dream about like starting a retreat center in Vermont and she went and did it. She's a star. You'd love her. Um, and she, so yeah, so she opened up this place and then I went there and I hit it off with her. And so I started uh, working with her and going up a few times a year to be um, the retreat chef for these retreats. So it was these groups of, you know, some of them are small, some of them are like eight people, some of them are up like 35 people. Um, occasionally there were other events too. And we would do, when we're there, we basically, it's a house and you're basically, everybody's in the house and you cook uh, like three meals a day plus snacks. Um, and yeah, and it was just this like, you know, it's just this kind of fun way. We use like local produce. We have connections with all the local farmers. Um, they, you know, they'll kind of email me their list of they're like, yeah, I think I'm going to have some carrots. I may have some, you know, some squash. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, if the celery is going to be ready. But, you know, so it'll be things like that. And I'll be like, all right, well, give me like, you know, 10 pounds of this and this and this. And so I make my list and then I order my my groceries. And then the one thing that Tisha never realized about me is that I don't plan uh, my menus. So I just order things I like, and then I figure it out as I go. Mm-hmm. And there, I think it was like the second retreat I did where she was suddenly like, you don't, you don't have a plan. I was like, no, I never have a plan. Cause plans <laughs> stress me out. Like yeah. I work much better organically and intuitively. And like, I like to improvise. Uh, so people will always be like, what's for dinner? I'm like, don't ask me. I <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> when it arrives. Uh, so yeah. And a lot of the the things that one of the things that Tisha specializes in because when she started it as a dancer, a lot of her first guests were dancers and actors and people who work with their bodies and yoga, um, yoga people, <laughs> yoga people <laughs> yogi, yogis, I guess. <laughs> right. um, they, you know, a lot of dietary restrictions, right? And a lot of so whether it's just, you know, diets that they're keeping like low carb or keto, um, or things like there were a lot more gluten restrictions and a lot of um especially a lot of the yoga groups are vegetarian or vegan. Uh, so her whole thing is that she specializes in basically catering to dietary restrictions. So you get before each retreat, in addition to the ingredients that are available, I get a list of the allergies and the dietary restrictions and preferences and stuff. And I pretty much try to accommodate everything. 
uh, I think I once had like a raw vegan and I was like, I'm going to need a little help. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm a little, that's a little bit much with everything else I'm doing here. But, um, yeah, but we've dealt with all sorts of things and it's always a challenge and it's always exciting, especially because of my like improv way of doing it. I basically make a list of my restrictions and kind of figure out the lowest common denominators about what everybody can eat. And then I build off extras from there. Um, but I've done a ton of vegan food, a lot of figuring, because a lot of times the vegan recipes are best because those are the lowest common denominators. Mm -hmm. Like that's the one everything can, everybody can eat. And then I can add stuff like that. So I might make something and then have like a little bowl of like the crumbled local feta that people can put on top or, or like make a dairy sauce. And then I'll do like a coconut based sauce and then people can choose which one they want. Um, So it'll be things like that. And it's, it's like exciting because I find the limitations are sort of they expand my creativity they kind of force mm-hmm. me to figure out problems and to experiment and I've done things like I made um pan, uh, pan de bono once uh and I made like regular ones with cheese and like the the yucca flour for mm-hmm. the people who could eat dairy and then I was like well I want to do something for the vegans too so I ended up using uh mashed cauliflower Ooh. and I made like a cauliflower pan de bono uh with with um, nutritional yeast and it was like it worked out and I was I had like no plant like I put it in the oven I was like well we'll see <laughs> <laughs> um, but it worked out so it's been fun to like come up with some dishes and then there have been people that have come back year after year and they're like oh can you do this you know they have their like favorite dishes uh, that they remember that they want to eat um, that have become kind of staples of over the years nice but yeah. now you're you're basically on TV. Like that's <laughs> like is that your primary, you know, work right now is, is TV? Yes. Well my yeah. Um it's funny how yeah, because like when I, I've been I was doing the retreats year after year after year and then I started doing more and more television. And then suddenly people were like, You're still gonna keep doing this? And I'm like, This is actually a really nice break. Um, but there've been t- <laughs> there've been times where I would like make breakfast and then hop on a bus. And like basically go straight to like 30 rock to do like a a rehearsal for a Today Show segment. Um, But yeah, so it's, it it is my primary, like as of, I don't, I mean, I have no idea what my primary income is this year. (laughs) It's unemployment checks, but but no, as of, as of two years ago, um, yeah, most of my income has been television and on camera work and I love it. And it's, it's been the thing that is most exciting to me. Um, And I kind of started out doing it because, so I worked in magazines. I was an editor um, at Cosmopolitan International for about four years. And uh, it was a much more like businessy brand management aspect Mm -hmm. of the the business. Like it was, you know, there was a lot of like contracts and syndication and working with freelancers and translation. Um, So I was like the New York editor for 16 of the international editions of Cosmo. and so it was like, you know, it wasn't the creative thing that I wanted. So on the side, I'd always been blogging. I've been blogging since I was in college, mm-hmm. sort of like the personal, it was, you know, mostly about boys right. and, then, <laughs> and heartbreaks and, you know, my, my single girl <laughs> life. And then I, but I had a lot of food was always a big part of my life. I went to culinary school my junior year of college. I took a semester off um, and I went to this program in Italy um, I can get, I'll, I'll loop back around to that, right. but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so food was always a big part of life. So I started this blog on the side and then the blog kind of started grow. I started always order dessert, uh, dot com. Right. <laughs> why, why did I just say dot com? 
Um, so I started the blog and then it started growing to the point where I was getting opportunities and I was basically taking days off from my full-time job to go do blog stuff. Um, and it, and I was like cooking all the time. I briefly started like a mostly illegal, uh, bakery, which I know you had Me your too, own bakery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know all about being a legal, illegal baker in New York yeah. City. <laughs> so I was doing that and I was making, my specialty was rainbow, uh, rainbow cake and rainbow cookies. Oh my God. My favorite. Yeah. Oh, it's like, yeah, obsessed. So I used to do that and I would like ship them all over the country. And so I would basically come home from work and do that all night long. And then in the mornings I would just use the Hearst shipping. Like I would just put it in the shipping box. <laughs> I would let, I'd let Hearst pay for it. Nice. Hopefully I won't get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> I'll just like put them in. I'm like, yeah, you guys take care of it. Um, and I would ship them. And then like, I'd always had like food coloring in my hands. Um, and I'd bring my leftovers and I'd be like, there's leftover rainbow cookies by the Cosmo desk. And everybody <laughs> would come over and eat stuff. So it started growing and growing and becoming this beast until finally I was like, I I mean, there were a few other reasons too. Like I didn't want to be working there anymore. I was not happy in that, that space. Um, But I was just, I hit that point where I was like, you know what? I just got to do it. And by that point I'd gotten married. And so I had health insurance. (laughs) Um, And so that, that in itself was the thing that was like, you know what, let's, let's do it. So I I quit and then started doing 50,000 things in order to figure out what the thing to do was and one of them was freelancing for the new Cosmo for Latinas magazine that my previous bosses had just launched uh and so I became their sort of food food um contributing like food writer food editor and I would do all their food pages but I would also do like so I would do the recipes and the photos and like the copy and it was like a crazy it would always like it was like the last minute every month they'd be like wait can you do this and it was always like a whole thing and then I do the sidebars um and I would just, and I was always like offering sidebars just to get more money. So I was like, how, how about we do like this? I was like, I was like trying to expand it because they're always like trying to like make it me do as much as possible for as little money as possible. Yeah. So I was always like trying to figure out ways to like get more money out of them. Um, but I would do, I mean, like, I don't remember how, I feel like they paid me like, like $125 per recipe. So it'd be like, like I'd get like maybe $1,000 to do like, you know, all the recipes and the photos and the sidebars. Um, yeah. But it was my first time really doing this regularly. And so it was exciting to have in print this like regular thing that I would do. Right. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was, a lot. oh, and then I started, I started suggesting like cocktails. I was like, can we do cocktails too? Cause I was like, uh-huh. it was just me trying to get like an extra $125. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, let's do smoothies also. <laughs> Yeah. So I was, yeah, so I would do that. Um, and then they were like, oh, we need you to promote the magazine. So then they started booking me for TV segments. And now I would be charging extra for that. But at the time, I was just, you know, happy to be there. Right. So <laughs> they, so I started doing segments for Univision and Telemundo, um, local in Spanish. Um, and I would do all the props and I would drag a suitcase at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, to get there and the one thing I did get them to pay for was my cars which was good because otherwise that would have been impossible but (laughs) yeah and then I would go and I do these segments and then the first couple segments that I did I think the first one was a Cinco de Mayo segment of course (laughs) Uh, and I was like I love this like it was like this feeling of joy just being on camera feeling like this adrenaline rush feeling like I was coming alive and I was like oh I want to do this and it was also this kind of thing because 
and we can talk more about this, but my dad worked in television my whole life. And he was always like, you should be on television. And I was like, no, 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 I want to write. And then suddenly I was like, damn it, he was right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that I, was kind of how it started. Um, yeah, but yeah, okay. So, well, I wanted to know how you were, how your style of cooking is improvisational, but you do TV segments that are like hyper yes. planned. Like, how does that work? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. That's like the, those are like my two competing uh, forces in me. That's actually the thing that causes me. I think that's actually the thing that causes me the most stress about right. TV. Like. My favorite things about TV are like when things go wrong, when things are like unpredictable, when something breaks down, um, because then I get the chance to improvise and to just run with it, right? And like right. that's one of the things that a lot of times producers will say is my strength. They're like, they're like, you you don't even get like flustered at all when stuff happens. You just go with it, you laugh it off, you own the moment, and you keep going. I'm like, yeah, that's like that's me. That's my strength. My weakness is the planning part. So getting, you know getting the recipes all planned out, figuring out all the props and the orders and stuff. Fortunately, I have, um, so I have ADHD and one of my uh, coping mechanisms for ADHD, which obviously explains also this not liking the planning, but one of my coping mechanisms is uh, like memory. I have a really great memory um, and I have a really great ability to kind of sort of just, you know, I don't, it's like I would never study, but then I would just like look at stuff and figure out a way to remember it. Right. So that works really well in television because then I, you know, I know my recipes, I know my amounts, I know the places where I need to be. Um, but yeah, but the writing out the rest, like I hate writing recipes. <laughs> I like coming up with recipes. I hate right. writing recipes. Uh, it's like, oh, it's like, I'm like, oh, why do I need to tell you my teaspoons? Like, you know, I'd rather just like throw it in there. Right. Um, so that's, yeah, that's one thing that's just been a struggle for me in terms of figuring out how, what the best way is to convey what it is it's in my brain (laughs) yeah yeah like how to get it out out of here onto the page um and yeah so that's the one thing that can be a little bit frustrating in terms of that aspect of it but uh, another big thing is that television or at least you know not in present day but before all of this it was very collaborative right? right so you're working with a team so you're working with food stylists and you're working with um, producers and set managers, all these people who help you kind of figure out those details. So a lot of times I have my recipe and I can send in my recipe um, and there, or my tips or whatever it is, what I do. And then they would break stuff down and they break it up into the steps and they're like, okay, you're going to do this first and this first and this first. Uh, and that sort of solved that problem for me because they would handle that part of it. And then I could just, you know, perform. Right. Um, but it's been, harder now it's so much harder now because now um, you know I went from basically being the talent to now doing like 27 jobs so I'm the one that's figuring out my own rundowns and my own you know where my props are going to go and the lineups and what am I going to say and stuff so that's definitely been a struggle right um because it's I'm no longer getting to just shine in the things that I'm (laughs) the best at (laughs) now I'm like muddling through 50 different things (laughs) oh Well, what is your, you know, do you want to have a TV show of your own? Is that what you hope for? I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't catch a show. Yeah, yeah, is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do I want a show? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I want, well, here's what I want. I want a regular, like, 
I always like say, I was like, and, and it's like, it brings it down so, so, so basic, but I want like a regular paid gig where I'm part yeah. of a show. I like being part of a show. Like the dream thing would be like, if, if I could be on a show like Today Show or specifically on Today Show as like their regular food person right. that where I get to do the segments and the stuff that I do on a regular basis um, and get paid for it because I don't get paid for Today Show oh. segments. Yeah, we could talk about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but I would, yeah, I'd love to be like a regular paid contributor on on a show like Today or another show like that that has like that sort of ensemble because I love the daily interaction. I love coming up with the ideas. I love coming up with things that are sort of related to what's going on, you know? Right. Like there are always, you know, every so often there are things that, that pop up where I'm like, oh, this would be like a fun thing to do like a last minute, you know, segment on or idea about, but it's not necessarily something that I would do because I get booked, you know, a couple of weeks in advance or more. So something like that would be fun where I'd have that space. And I, you know, I, I want to be part of like a like a cast, I guess, or like right. a community. I do also love the idea of like my own cooking show, like, right. You know, like the, the sort of, but I, I don't know. I feel like it's less exciting to me. Like the, the kind of dump and stir thing isn't as exciting to me. Yeah. I love when there's <laughs> fun, like, like interaction. Sometimes, like I say, like for, you know, like cooking show, the part that excites me isn't so much the cooking, it's the show. Right. Um, and I, I mean, I would still want it to be something that's like uh, substantial and stuff. Like I wouldn't want to just have like some cheesy like competition <laughs> or something. Um, but it's it's part of, yeah, getting to be like that interaction, like getting to work with other people. I, I love being able to riff uh, with other hosts. And there's some hosts that I vibe with so well. Like I love doing stuff with Al Roker. He's always so much fun. I love doing stuff with Carson Daly. Anyone that gets excited about food that loves right. to like taste and eat and try and you know, genuinely curious about it. They're so much fun. And that's, I think those are the segments that are the most exciting stuff with Hoda in general. It's always really exciting because they're, they're really into, into it. Uh, there's other shows that I've done where the host you know, doesn't really care about food or right. doesn't, you know, want to touch anything. Um, and that <laughs> makes it a little bit harder. But when you have someone you have great chemistry with, uh, it makes really fun television that is still also informative and people learn cool things. And there's nothing more exciting than having people, you know, try your tips or try out your recipe or having it become part of their life and their moments. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is interesting that you don't, you're not compensated mm -hmm. for the Today Show things. And and that's so interesting too, I yeah. think, in terms of how people perceive success in 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 this kind of space, in the media space, where people would probably assume, you know, you're getting paid and you're, you're living the life of Riley, get, you know, <laughs> by, by being on the Today Show, because it's a big, you know, it's huge. The, the people. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's a national show and, it, and it's so popular. And, you know, yeah. so yeah, like, and I don't know, does that, I mean, how does that work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So shows like Today or Good Morning America or, um, pretty much most news shows, whether it's local or national, it's a news program. Uh, even though there is a huge entertainment element to it, it's a news program. So you're the guests that are on it. We're get, we're like being, it's essentially an interview. Right. It's a, it's a, so, you know, maybe you're Drew Barrymore promoting your new talk show or whatever. Um, and so she's, you know, you're, you're getting interviewed and it's a news story and you're talking about your thing or you're a politician getting interviewed and you're talking about your thing. So they're not getting paid. Right. Uh, so it's the same thing, even with the guests who are doing more lifestyle type segments. So whether it's someone doing design or doing a fashion segment or doing a food segment, unless you're actually a contributor, like they have a few actual paid contributors on the show mm -hmm. um, that are like 
you know, part of it, but most people are essentially it's publicity, right? Like you're, you're promoting your product or your, you know, your book or whatever it is you're doing. Um, But then there are some of us that mostly just do it. And it's the the goal is um, having people see you and essentially, you know, and hopefully someone sees you and it leads to other opportunities. It leads to expanding your own brand. It leads to books. It leads to product lines. It leads to hopefully your own show or whatever, you know, each person's individual goal is. Um, But yeah, it's like, it's a little tricky space. Like, and and it's something that we talk amongst ourselves (laughs) and me and other experts. Um, Yeah. Cause there's, it's different if you're there talking to promote a book or if you're there, you know, being interviewed for something as a news story, but there's, we're, you know, we're, developing recipes, we're testing them, we're spending money on ingredients, where if you're doing a lot of the design stuff or anything that's like crafty DIY, mm-hmm. you're pretty much making those props and stuff at home and you're wow. bringing them in. Um, and sometimes they order products and stuff for you. Sometimes a lot of, there's a lot of times we have relationships with like PR companies and brands that will give you products that'll then get displayed. Um, but then, you know, they can't pay you because if, if you get paid by it, then you need to disclose it and then it can't be on there. So it's like right. a lot of, you know, cause it's standard. So it's like a whole thing. Um, there's talk shows that it's a little bit, it works a little bit differently on. So shows like right. Dr. Oz or Tamron Hall or any of those kinds of, you know, Ellen or something like that talk shows work differently because those are union shows. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the union and I'm not, I'm not a union person. Um, right. and there's, you know, pluses and minuses to that. But if you're in the union, then they're required to pay you. Mm-hmm. And there's a rate that they have to pay you. If you're not in the union, they should be paying you. Mostly they don't. (laughs) They they try to get it. So you can kind of go back and forth and I've negotiated and I've gotten some people to pay me. Sometimes they won't. They do this. Basically, if they book you more than three times in a year, then the union stuff kicks in and they have to pay Uh, you even if you're not in the union. Um, So a lot of shows just won't book you more than three times (laughs) in a season. Um, And that's like, you know, like like a Dr. Oz show or whatever. That's how it works. Um, and I've had friends who have done shows that are union shows and they've gotten booked multiple times and didn't get paid. And like, I have a friend who she actually just called the union and reported the show and then the show had to pay up, but she never got booked again. So it's one of those, you know, it's one of those kinds of things where it's, I've, I once had a producer and I will not say who it was and what show it was not today show. Uh, it (laughs) was not a show that I'm like actively on. Um, but we were doing a shoot. And it was uh, like a hack segment. So it was like multiple, it was doing multiple tips and stuff. And for this, I had, they had brought some of the props. I had brought some of the props and we were in the rental space and it was supposed to be like a one hour shoot. And honestly, we were going like on the fourth hour and the, like, it was just like taking too long. Everything was really slow. There'd been some construction outside. So we kept having to pause the shooting and the camera. So it was a camera guy and like the audio guy. And they, they were both like, Hey, you know, we're on overtime. So we're doing great. And the producer's like, well, I don't get overtime. She's like, I'm salaried. And then I was like, well, both of you guys are getting paid. I'm not getting paid. And the, the two, like the, the camera guy and the audio guy were both like, wait, you don't get paid. Cause they're coming from like union. We're on right. overtime. Like, and they're like, you don't, I was like, no. And then the producer's like, yeah, no, this was, this is just promotion for her. This is like, she's getting publicity out of this. Ugh. Um, and I was just like, well, yeah, to a certain degree, but it is still also a lot of work. And yeah. she goes, she's like, well, she's like, well, you can ask to get paid and we might pay you once, but then we just won't book you again because plenty of people do this for free. Oy. And I just remember this like slap in a face feeling. And it was just like, but it's true. You know, I mean, what she said was true. It's not necessarily the best or ethical or, you know, 
right? Like I, I think in an ideal world, the shows would have the people that they know they can rely on, that they love, that they know they don't have to, you know, babysit during the production right. side of it, that they know are going to get great, um, great television from. Um, yeah. And like pay us something. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't get paid from, for the shows like that. So I don't get paid for today or whatever. Although I will say today is genuine exposure. That is genuine right. publicity. That is, you know, I, have gotten amazing opportunities from it and it's prestige that right. people really do respect that does lead to other opportunities. And so that is like a, like they're, you know, like they're one of like the shows or like those, are, there are a couple of those shows that, yeah, they absolutely like it's worth it to do. And I love doing it. Like I genuinely, I love the producers that I work with. I love, I miss being in the studio. It's the best feeling in the world. Um, you know, growing up watching something and then getting to be on there to the point right. where like, I can, you know, I go there, the security guards know me, everybody knows me, like I can just walk around the studio by myself because I know, you know, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm doing. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's something I genuinely love and I hope to be able to continue doing it for yeah, my whole life. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but then uh, there are other, so then what I do get paid for doing is some of the other shows. So, right. Um, everything that I do with Food Network right now with their Food Network kitchen app where I do live broadcasts and I do some like taped um, cooking classes and video shows and stuff that that's sort of shot in advance. So that's all paid work and everything that I do with Food Network in terms of social media or whatever, that's all paid um, and compensated properly. Um, and what I do with Amazon is also, that's all paid work as a host. And that's actually been a really cool experience. And, you know, I mean, there are things that are not perfect. I don't love about it. Um, but that's also been one of the times where I've gotten to be like that sort of thing. What I said, right. Like part of a cast, like that I get to be a host on a show and have regular people that I work with. And, um, especially when we were, you know, in real life back in the studio, that was always really exciting to me. And that was the times when I got to, you know, it's the first time I got to regularly work with like a teleprompter and have the IFB in my ear and all these things that I basically kind of grew up around and what meant, you know, meant like TV and meant that stuff to me. Now I actually get to do it in real life and expand my skills and stuff. So I really appreciate that. There are things that aren't great that I don't love, um, you know, and it's not like my goal is to sell like air fryers and right. <laughs> 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 but the the action of it is is satisfying or it was before yeah. it was just like on my laptop in the kitchen. <laughs> right yeah yeah I don't think people realize how much of being like I don't know because I you know, as a writer like I don't feel like I'm a personality but at the same time I'm yeah. I'm realizing how much more I need to cons like like play that yeah. up sort of or like that you know like playing kind of a role for people um yeah. especially like on social media and everything and like yeah and and all the unpaid promotion that you do like I basically say yes to everything mm -hmm. but and yeah. like uh, because I, I feel like I have to, um, and like, I don't know. It, yeah. People don't understand really that just because you're doing something and you're out there and you're visible that like you're being compensated fairly <laughs> or like at all for anything. And, and like, <laughs> but it does play into how people perceive, you know, the work that we do and what, you know, and yeah. they'll make judgments on like, Oh, I don't know if that's worth like what she seems to be getting paid or, or something like that I don't it's yeah. a very it's a very odd position to be in where people kind of <laughs> seem to assume that you have like a level of wealth or comfort and like you're like really just hustling constantly <laughs> exactly no absolutely I mean and 
I mean, I think that's that's across the board for television. That people right. genuinely think if you're on television, you must be rich. Right. Um, and I, like I said, I mean, I grew up with that. So my dad is a news, or he's a retired news anchor. He was a news anchor for 40 years for Telemundo um, in New York. And he's very successful. Yeah, there, we were comfortable growing up, right. so to speak, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I mean, we weren't like super millionaires or anything like that. Um, and I think that's what people always just assume about yeah. him and assumed about us because he was on television but I was like yeah he's on television but he's still like it's the you know the Spanish language news <laughs> and it's local news like there's so um you know it's not minimum wage but it's it's not like the same it's not even the same as like what the the English language NBC right. anchors are getting right? right right um uh so it's it's that kind of thing that I don't think people necessarily realize about about TV and that's how it is with a lot of stuff like there are a lot of working actors that work regularly and yeah you get paid really well for one job but then you may go three months without another job exactly uh so it's kind of like you know kind of like with teachers where it's like that salary is meant to go over across the summer months too um yeah so it's that kind of thing where you're it's it's you know it doesn't there's a lot of perks to it absolutely there's a lot of glamour to it there's a lot of things that definitely you know do live up to the thing where you that you imagine but yeah it's not necessarily always the same thing in terms of money right um (laughs) i mean there there are people who are obviously making a lot but uh yeah it's it it takes a while to get there and there are very few people who are at at that specific level level right for sure yeah but I mean, and yeah. then talking about social media, like I have said to you before, like you, you do seem to like live very well, but like not in the yeah. way of like being like a billionaire or whatever, but like in a, per- like a person yeah. who sort of like takes pleasure in, in life, you know, whether it's yeah. in terms of what you're eating or drinking or like you have a garden, you're always reading, you're always like, even in a pandemic, you're dressing up. And I'm like, I just admire like <laughs> that. And like, I take a lot of inspiration for like, I don't find a lot of people like inspiring on that level, but I'm like, you know, I yeah. bought clothes because you've worn them like that's, and like, I can't say that about that. anybody else. Like, so I, <laughs> I'm like, you absolutely should have a show because like, I'm a person who's like, yeah. doesn't, care about like like I don't you know I'm like I'll look at things but I'm not, not like inspired and in being like oh gosh I want to like do what she's doing but I feel that way about yeah. like what you're what you wear and like you know you're yeah you just seem to take a lot of pleasure in life even when things are really bad <laughs> and so like what, can can you kind of talk about like of course this is again this is an issue of perception versus reality from social yeah. media but like so you know what what is like the thing that motivates you to like live in this in this way or at least you know put that out there Mm -hmm. um I love that first of all thank you for (laughs) recognizing this aspect of my life um not everybody does not everybody like I think sometimes um okay so when I started my blog and I called it always order dessert like from the beginning I would say that it's it's a philosophy not you know, it's not meant to be literal. Like people would, people would be like, did, "Did you order dessert?" I'm like, "No, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> want it. I got another glass of wine, or I got a yeah. glass of port, or something." Um, but for me, it was never about specifically about that. It was more about dessert, especially right. growing up and stuff. Um, or even when I went on dates um, in those aforementioned single days, uh, it was about extending the moment. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a way about not ending the meal. Like I, the thing that was always sad to me was when like the meal ended. Um, and my dad is very much the kind of person who like me loves 
food and loves abundance and loves to say yes. And so when we would go out to dinner and we'd see like three appetizers on the menu and I'd say, I was like, oh, I can't decide between my, my dad. Be like, let's get them all. You know, it was like <laughs> that kind of thing. And the same with dessert. Be like, let's, my dad always, my dad literally does always order dessert, uh, even if he just like brings it home. Um, so we would, but it was that thing of extending the meal. And then I remember as I was in college and I was like out going out with friends and going on dates and things like that, where it, it just like the meal just wrapped up at the end or the dinner just wrapped up. And I was just like, oh, that's, you know, it's like, it's like ending it. Right. Like I yeah. hated that moment. Like I'd love to extend the pleasure of the moment. So that's what always ordered dessert always meant to me. And people are like, she's a dessert blogger. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> Especially when people say that now, I'm like, I haven't even updated my blog. Like in a year like it's yeah. basically you know stagnant um but it's so it was never about that it was really just about that moment of kind of finding ways to extend pleasure and to you know to appreciate like these kind of good moments and like for you know for me it's like getting another bottle of wine because then that's like an extra half an hour that you get to sit with your friends or your date or your family or whatever and talk and enjoy and laugh at the table like that's that's the kind of thing that i really love right. i hate when parties end like i yeah. <laughs> i'm like you can stay you can stay at my house until like three o'clock in the morning like happily i i love like one of my really good friends he's so great because my one of my favorite things about him is that every time that we go out and we do stuff he's like He's like, let's go. He's like, let's go get another drink or let's go do this. Let's go somewhere. Um, and it's like he he's always like wants to extend the night, extend the moment. Like, he, you know, he wants to go to like that second party or the third party. <laughs> uh, and I love that because I think it just makes it, you know, it's I love it. Like, I, I, I love I don't want the night to end. I don't want right. the meal to end. I don't want the, the good moments to end. And yeah, so there's a lot about that in life in terms of um, finding those ways to kind of extend things. And it does read into like when I dress up, I dress up because first of all, I love it. Like I love yeah. beautiful dresses and I love, um, you know, doing my hair and putting on makeup and playing around with makeup and looks and kind of creating um, kind of, yeah, just sort of decorating myself. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, and I think a lot of it is also tied into kind of the idea of what it is, right? Like when I shop and that's something that's actually been really hard during this time, but like, cause when I shop, it's kind of, I'm imagining like, where do I want to wear this? Like, what is the moment I want to create? What's the feeling I want to create? You know, is it like me? Like, like I remember we were in Miami last year and we went to um, the, oh God, what are the, it's like these botanical gardens. It's like this old house. I can't remember the name. Um, but we, I knew that I wanted to wear like a long flowing floral dress mm -hmm. so that I could like walk through these beautiful gardens in this dress. Like, <laughs> So like I went to like anthropology in Miami and like bought the perfect dress that I I wanted to like flow through the uh, the gardens in um, and it's that's how I I am about like all my clothing like I imagine like the sort of romantic feel that I want or the you know or sometimes it's a completely right. different like sometimes I want something that's like got a little bit more edge to it or that's mm -hmm. like sexy or that's something you know like that has a harder edge right. um, or even just like nerdy and things like I remember as a kid uh we for like school picture day I totally used to do this too uh so we could pick our backgrounds I remember like they had those weird like laser backgrounds right. and all the backgrounds and so there was a background that was like a library it was just like yeah. books. I picked this one too <laughs> and I was like yes yeah. the library background is mine and then I had to find the perfect outfit to wear and it was very much like this like plaid skirt and a like a you know like a little ruffled collared shirt like I was going for like full 
librarian nerd uh, with my librarian background. And it was, yeah. I mean, and that was the thing. So I would like kind of orchestrate this, this you know, perfect kind of image in my head and then like live it. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I, I still do in like my whole, I think that's probably why I buy so many dresses because it's not just, it's like everything is like a moment, right? It's like, right. it's like, I have, it's like I have a whole backstory for every dress and I have this whole idea of what I want. Um, and it's been a little bit rough because now most, most of my, I'm like, I'm not flowing through, I mean, except for my own right. garden, I'm not really flowing <laughs> through gardens anymore. Uh, it's pretty much like in my living room and my couch. And, um, but dressing has still kind of helped keep me feeling, you know, like myself and like I'm yeah. together. And especially since a lot of this time has been unemployment, especially, you know, now I'm starting to get back into working a little bit, right. but I spent, uh, almost five months doing absolutely nothing right. <laughs> um <with clients. laughs> and so getting dressed was a thing that you know I'd spent like two hours getting dressed and and doing my makeup and putting on and like making myself feel like myself right uh so I felt like at least that part of me was still together while the rest everything else kind of felt you know at loose ends right 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 yeah um, no, I, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, in terms of your, your food and your, your eating and your drinking, which it, it yeah. seems like you've, you've been doing a good job of that too. <laughs> I have been eating and drinking a lot. Um, and that's kind of ebb and flowed. So for right. eating, uh, for, I, I went through these, like, basically I wanted to fill that feeling. Like I, you know, I was home all the time. Right. And so I wanted to find things that would like be exciting to me and it would be, creative to me and that would sort of kind of spark that inspire me in a way because a lot of my inspiration in terms of food and stuff comes from things that I eat like I like eating what other people make and I love going to restaurants and seeing how people are using ingredients together and combinations together and just you know and seeing something like oh they're cooking the cucumber in this like I never thought to cut cucumber and then like taking that idea home and then playing around with it or combining you know herbs and fruits and things and things that I'd never expected before. And then taking those flavor patterns and coming home and not necessarily recreating the exact same dish that I eat, that I ate, although I have done that. Um, but a lot of times it's just kind of taking little of those kernels of ideas and then playing around with them. And I wasn't getting that because the only food that I was eating was food that I was making myself. Um, cause my husband doesn't, uh, doesn't really cook. He makes my coffee in the morning, which I appreciate, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Other than that, it's pretty much all the food that I was eating was food that I was creating with my own hands. So it was just this kind of, you know, there was no, everything was just recirculating, right? It's all recirculated air. There's nothing fresh coming in. Uh, and that, so I, I needed something that was kind of exciting. So I just started buying like weird ingredients. Basically. <laughs> I started going on, um, like I, I was getting fresh direct and I was getting my groceries delivered and I would basically go and see, and they always have like the categories. There's like the specialty category or like, so I would click on those and like seeing like what sort of unique, so I started buying like octopus and I started buying, uh, you know, squid and all sorts of clams and um, like razor clams and a lot of seafood. I was basically mm -hmm. playing around with seafood because the seafood especially is like, it would always that changes a lot right um and there's and that's something that's very kind of seasonal and, and local and stuff so it would be like what what's good now what's happening now what that isn't you know just like chicken <laughs> chicken yeah <laughs> um and and playing around with condiments and spices and and whatever kind of new fun things buying different breads uh flowers and just stuff like that and kind of pushing myself to cook with it another thing about buying seafood is that there's a very limited right 
a lifespan of like when basically you get it and you need to kind of cook it within the next day or two. And that was good for me just in terms of like, if I would get kind of depressed and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. like, it would be my motivator. Cause I was like, Oh, I got to cook the razor clams. Like (laughs) I want to, I want to like curl up and cry, but I got to get those razor clams done. (laughs) So so it would be kind of another thing to like, give me at least some urgency uh, to get some stuff done. Right, right, right. No, that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. To actually, yeah, feel feel like things need to be cooked and so you actually can't say no that's uh yeah (laughs) like I'll make way too many beans and and that's been my way of like my vegetarian way of like needing to do something with them because I can't let them just like languish you know it's like exactly what new things can I do with with this giant pot of black beans that I made so that's that's been keeping me going in the cooking absolutely yeah, it's, it's, it's hard after so many months. <laughs> it's hard. So one thing that I've been, so another thing, because, you know, we're talking about like pleasure and I do, I love to seek out pleasure and stuff, but it was, it's harder. It's much right. harder now. Like there, I definitely feel like my life was much more pleasurable beforehand. <laughs> um, and it was easier, you know, when you're traveling, when you're doing like, I, at the end of last year, when I started working with Food Network and I started I was getting booked regularly on Food Network and on Amazon and I was doing regular stuff with Today Show um, and I had lots of other events like in other, you know, I did some commercials and I did some other on-camera projects and stuff. And so I was, as you know, the people always say booked and blessed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how I was. I was feeling booked and blessed and I was making way more money than I'd ever made before and finally feeling like, yeah, this is it. I've got the momentum. I'm doing this. And, um, and then, yeah, and then it just came to this like, screeching halt um and all that went away and it was like oh it was like god it's like I'd finally hit this point where I had the momentum I was doing it now all of it went away and so that made you know I obviously I got super depressed I got sad and like a lot of the other you know the things that gave me pleasure like the my job which genuinely gave me pleasure not in terms of like the you know it was fulfilling work it was exciting work I loved the people that I worked with and having those moments of connection with people who do this really weird thing is so rare and so important. Like I miss the, the, you know, hour in the makeup room beforehand where we all used to like share our like joys and woes and life and and, like learn from each other and talk about things. Uh, Because that's, you know, not having that is frustrating. And, you know, I can talk to my husband, but there's only so much that he really understands about this industry. Yeah. Um, and it's not the exact, you know, it's not the same thing. And you can text right. and it's still not the same kind of organic conversations that you can have when you're in the same space. Right. Uh, right. Like with other humans. So, but we did, um, what was I saying? Wait, well, oh yeah. So then, so it's like, I was getting a lot of joy from that. I was getting joy from traveling and from getting to go to events and from seeing speakers and, you know, like all these, you know, going to like, yeah, and just like moving about the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of my joy comes from that. And I'm also a person who needs solo time, like yeah. a lot of solo time. I need <laughs> that independent space, which I've not had very much of in six plus months. Yeah. Uh, and that's been really hard too, because it's like I don't I don't have that moment of, you know, like my husband would leave for work in the mornings and it was, you know, I'd have my quiet, empty space mornings where it's just my own energy filling the space. Yeah. And I miss that. And it's yeah. not that I don't love my husband and I don't <laughs> want him around, but I, I like, I, I want those breaks. One of my friends, Shauna, you know, Shauna Seaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. So she, she talks about, she's like, yeah, she's like, I don't think humans are like 
meant to be, you know, like you, you, no matter how much you love someone, you're not meant to be like together 24 seven right. constantly, constantly. <laughs> like that's just not, that's not healthy. So, <laughs> so we, um, so yes, yeah, so I felt like a lot of those, the things that were giving me pleasure just sort of disappeared. Yeah. And so then now I'm like, all right, well here I'm someone who my philosophy is essentially pleasure, right? right. Like it is finding the joys in, in moments in life. And now how do I do that in this environment or this like, you know, this life that basically is devoid of so many of the things that we think of as pleasure. So that's right. been kind of my obsession lately. Um, yeah. I've become obsessed with the concept of anhedonia. Do you oh. know the concept of anhedonia? <laughs> I think I know the so, word. But I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the word, it, it essentially means loss of pleasure, right? right? Or inability to feel pleasure. And there's, there's, versions of it. I mean, there's like physical versions of it where like you physically can't feel um, pleasure. Um, but then there's also psychological ones. Um, but I also, I almost feel like this is a time of that, like where right. it's, it's much harder to, to feel joy, even in the things that genuinely, you know, the small joys, right. Um, because everything else is so much bigger and everything else is so much, so overwhelming and, and, you know, things are burning down and, so like one of the things that I talk, like Sean, Sean is probably like the person I talk to the most because we, <laughs> we both have, we, she, she also does TV and she does food and stuff. So she understands that same thing. And we text it a lot and it's like, how can I be excited about like this new biscuit recipe when like the world is burning, right? right. Like it's, and it's, it's hard to, I'm like, it's hard to find like to, to say like, oh, these things were so great, but like it's not important. None of it is important, right? Like there's so many bigger things. And while I do feel that we still need those little things, it's it's harder. It's like, it, you know, I'm struggling with it. I've, I have ordered like 50 books about pleasure and (laughs) I've been reading my way through them. And part of me was like, maybe I'll start a newsletter about pleasure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But I'm, you know, there's things I want to figure out too. Can I remember in 2016 after the election that it was harder. It was hard, but I feel like this is harder. Right. Um, like, because even then I still felt like there, like, even then I remember being like, well, like the recipes are important and the cooking is important. And these, these things are still important because people need these joys and need these moments of connection and stuff. But like now I feel like it's even harder because I'm like, well, people can't necessarily get together with their families and the people are literally dying. And you know, it's, it's, you're stuck in places. Like I haven't, my brother lives in DC. I haven't seen him since January and we used to see each other all the time. Um, so it's like things like that where I'm like, you know, like these things are important, but it's also, it is harder. Like, I think it it kind of maybe is a time where, you know, maybe we just don't get as much pleasure anymore. (laughs) Right. For a time, not permanently. Yeah. I hope not. Um, (laughs) no, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's been super fascinating because like I always work at home and I always work alone. And so like the I and I'm not a collaborative person necessarily. Like I am very yeah. much like I like to do things alone, but then the thing that makes that worthwhile and the thing that like gets me out of that space is that like when the day is done, it's like you know it's, it's being with people. It's like, it's either like, even if I'm going to have a drink alone at a bar, like I'm either eavesdropping on people or I'm like engaged in conversations with strangers and and things like that. And like missing like that, those sparks that can happen though. That's really been Mm -hmm. for me, like such a huge mental struggle, especially with writing, because so much of your inspiration comes from 
like being around other people and just, you know, the, the things that they bring up in you. Um, and yeah, no. And, and for me too, the solitude thing is super important. (laughs) And so not having that. No, no, go on, go on. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Just no. my my boyfriend had been at home for like three months. Now he's back in the office mm-hmm. a little bit, but like at the same time, like it's so hard to get into a writing groove when like someone's always yeah. around. And like I can't. It like I used to just go to this um, local beer. My whole life is drinking, I guess. But like I used to go to a <laughs> a beer bar and like I just like order a whiskey soda and like I'd really pound through things because it just like I needed to change my atmosphere or like I'd go to the coffee shop if like I needed um, air conditioning. And so like, I don't, I don't have that anymore. And in New York, I used to go to the public library and I, I work in the huge, in the Rose reading room and like just that energy that's there, it would be just, you know, it's so hard not to focus and not to work and get things done. And so like, yeah, just uh, just being home all the time when I'm already have been a person who like is working at home and, and like enjoys that focus, like, oof, it's just, yeah. It's like, be careful what yeah. you wish for. <laughs> and there's, yeah, I know. well, that, it's true. It's the same thing. Cause I, yeah, I always loved my solitude. I love being able to work from home, but I loved having those moments. Right. And the thing with on camera work is that you go, you know, if I have a today show segment, I might leave the house at like 6am and I go and I do stuff and I'm, but I'm usually home by 11am right. or no, by, by like I'd be home by, by noon at the latest. Right. Like that was my day and I'd come home and my, I have the, the adrenaline would wear off slowly and I'd usually like take a nap and like eat lunch and, and it would just be this kind of shift into this sort of quiet space after this like rush of, of what I was doing beforehand. But yeah, now it's just this one constant <laughs> space and con- the same energy. And I was thinking a lot when you were talking, like during your, in, in your pieces about travel, mm-hmm. um, because that was, you know, it's that idea of the, you, you know, you take yourself when you're traveling. And like, my thing about traveling was always, it was less about the place and more about experiencing myself right. in a new place. Yes. So it was about what, and also what aspects of myself it would bring out. Right. Uh, so especially because, you know, my, my husband is not Latino. He's, um, he's white. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can be white Latino, yeah. but he is, um, he's Jewish and was born in the Soviet Union. He was born in Kiev um, and came over as a kid. Um, But yeah, so it's a totally different culture. Um, And I, but that's, and you know, I went from having a sort of regular Latino influence from like my Latina friend, like girlfriends or, you know, being with my family um, to not really having much of that in my life. So I've, I've actually gone through a period of like reading books in Spanish and watching movies and TV shows in Spanish and I didn't even realize that I was doing it. And just, I just saw that like the only things I ever wanted to like read or watch were all in Spanish. And I realized that it's because that that aspect is something that I'm not getting to experience. Um, and I'm not getting, like I used to go to a lot of like Latinx events, yeah. right? Or I used to go to like conferences and I'd always have these like pockets of time where I was surrounded by people who, you know, I didn't have that learning curve of ex- explaining stuff to right. who kind of understood a lot of the same issues and, and had a lot of that same cultural language. Uh, and I don't really get much of that right now, except for like the, you know, the few times I've been able to see my parents. Um, and yeah, so I miss that. And I, I remember like one of my favorite, like I, I love Miami and I love going to um, Puerto Rico, obviously. And the thing about those two places and even LA to a certain extent is that they sort of bring out that Latina right. side of me. 
And it was like, it's like a home, yeah. right? Like, I don't know. I love when I get to Miami and suddenly like, I realize I haven't spoken English in like a day and a half because yeah. the, the, you know, like the, the flight attendants and the Uber driver and the reception at the hotel and like everybody that I've talked to, it's all in Spanish. And I'm like, and it's such a, like a, you know, it's like, you feel like you're at home. Right. It's like this nice thing that sort of wakes up that side of me. Um, and I always feel like my most beautiful, sexiest, truest self. Right in that air environment. And I like, I need a few, like a dose of that, right. Every so often, whether it's there or, you know, going to LA and being um, with a lot of, I've gone to a lot of like Latina conferences in LA and being around other women and like, you know, just talking and sharing in a lot of, a lot of things um, in terms of like music and fashion and beauty and, you know, just talking about these little stories that you, you have in common that sort of feeds that aspect. And then I can kind of come back to, the other side of my world where, you know, other things are fed, but then it creates balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and travel. So travel creates that balance for me, right? Like when I, I go to places, like I go to New Orleans and that kind of feeds that, that love of food and slight hedonism and music and like a little bit of, it also feeds like my spiritual beliefs in ghosts magic side. Right. Um, there's a little bit of that. Like I like a haunted city. <laughs> um, and it's sort of, you know, like, and so I'm missing all of that because right now all I have is like my own space yeah. and I try to create variety and things here and I, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't fill it the same way. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to talk to you about translation because, and I know you're reading hopscotch yes. in, in Spanish <laughs> and English, which is crazy. <laughs> um, <Thanks. laughs> but, you know, as someone who is bilingual and has this experience in kind of international publishing, like. Do you think that there should be more of this kind of not even necessarily just translation, but of course, translation, but also like collision mm -hmm. of languages? Because like and, you, you know, in people have been talking a lot about like not italicizing um, words yes. that are in English in food writing, especially because food is so global. And, and, and you know, we all use like different words for the same thing sometimes like uh, okra like I'll mm -hmm. sometimes I'll call it in its in its Hindi name because I'll be cooking that kind of recipe or something you know and like obviously like mm -hmm. Harsha passion like all these things or it's like um yeah. yeah it's like all these I don't know we kind of just know or like you can easily find out now too what it is so it's like um yeah the, you know what what do you think how do you feel by bi being bilingual being Latina affects both your understanding of food and of food media, but also like, what do you think could happen if there were more of this convergence between languages? Yeah. So there's a few things there. Um, on one hand, like, I love the idea of, and I know this puts much more of an onus on like the, the viewer or the reader, but I love the idea of like making people look stuff up. <laughs> and educate themselves on things that may not necessarily know automatically. Right. Uh, and it's it's a delicate balance because on one hand, part of what we do is teach, right? And, and, and share knowledge. And I do want to be a guide, but I also think that sometimes there are a few things that people should be able to look up themselves and figure out themselves. And I think that there's, there's a lot of knowledge. It's an opportunity, right? You When you look something up, there may be something that, that sparks your imagination or that feeds you in a way that may not necessarily um, speak to me when I'm talking about something, right? Like there may be something about an ingredient that is exciting to you that may not be the thing that is exciting to me about it. Right. And so when I'm telling you something, I'm just telling you my point of view. 
Um, but letting people sort of do a little bit of their own work and a little bit of their own research kind of opens things up further. Uh, so I do kind of like the idea. Plus, um, and this is something that we talked about in, in the, the Black Book uh, right, right. panel that I did a few weeks ago. Um, and it's because when you're on camera, especially because time is so short, right? You've got, I've done segments that are two minutes long. I've, I think the most I've ever had is like maybe 10 minutes. And there's, if you want to talk about things that you have to explain everything, right? And so like, if I want to do a French fry recipe, I say, you know, you peel the potato and you chop the potato and you fry the right. potato. But if I want to talk about the stonis, like I need to explain what kind of plantain to right. get, like what, how you peel it. Like it's not easy to peel, like explaining <laughs> those little things, the aspect of it. Um, and there's, there's just, a, it's a much, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a higher learning curve and it's, there's so much that you need to get through before you even get to that basic thing that you're always kind of starting at the bottom, right? right? right. So you're constantly like pushing this boulder up the hill and then you need to start all over again. And so you never really get into like the juicy parts because you're so limited in, in terms of time or in terms of, you know, whether it's just like inches in like a printed page or, you know, word count or, you know, minutes on television. Yeah. So, yeah. So I do, I, I would love to, and I know that that's like, it's, it's impossible to ask, right? Like, because like people don't, people like it even like people like we can't even get people to wear masks right, right? like it's like, <laughs> basic, like like we we want to expect so much from people and yet it's that's not really the case all the time um and so it's but it would be so great yeah. if some people could do that just because then it would let let us kind of like skip the basics mm-hmm. and like jump into stuff that's much more exciting and more interesting and, and cover stuff that we don't get to do right. um i love like like i was saying earlier you know like i can say picadillo and arroz con pollo and things like that. And I don't need to translate it and I don't need to explain it to you. And so when you, when you, you know, and that's part of that thing. The other thing I was saying about when you're amongst people where you don't have that learning curve, because then you can just go so much further than when you have to constantly explain. Um, And that's important in personal relations. And I think it's important in terms of, of the, you know, the writing and the work that we're doing Um, and just, you know, letting people learn new things. Uh, I would love to not have to translate everything or not even italicize things. I was reading, I've been, like I said, I've been reading a lot of like things in Spanish and also even in English, but like with Latino like right. character, like I've been reading a lot of like um, Latinx romance novels mm-hmm. um, and then like are trying to find, because like, they're so hard to find, like trying to find more and more of them. But something that frustrates me is the way that everything, even when they have Spanish language in it, then it'll say something so like that'll like immediately translate it in the other words like she'll be like be like you know like uh, can't even think of an example basically like she might say like in spanish that she's always late right. and then the other person in english should be like yes she is always late <laughs> right and <it's, laughs> um and then you're like oh like it's you know so for me reading it it's annoying like this is written for the person who doesn't speak right. spanish or who doesn't, you know, know these like phrases and things. It's not written for me because I now for me, I'm getting like double of every single thing right. that's in there. Uh, so it would be nice to just like say, you know, just have it and, and not have, I mean, it's not easy, right? Like, you, I don't know what the perfect way to do it would be, but you do lose so much. Yes. You lose so yes, much. For sure. And yeah. for you, is, is cooking a political act? Ah, I've been thinking about this ever since you started talking about this. Um, And yeah, well, 
what's interesting to me is yes and no. Yes and no. I'm going to go with yes and no. Um, but what's interesting to me is that in terms of cooking, I I started cooking to get away from politics because I went to college at George Washington University oh. and my major was political political communications, which was a special program that combined political science journalism with like a little bit of marketing and communications. So it was essentially designed for people who wanted to go into like campaign management and into like, you know, that kind of ask, like the spin sort of world of politics, which is what I was fascinated in at that time. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. And then I was in these classes and I would like look around me and be like, oh my God, I hate all these people. <laughs> um, like, cause like you're in DC and you're in these classes and it's like these boys would show up in like khaki pants and blazers and everyone was always running off to their internship and everyone was just terrible. I mean, not everyone, there were great people too, but I just did not feel comfortable and I didn't feel happy and I didn't like, like I liked the content, but I didn't like the people. And I was like, these are the people that I would be working with and I do not want to work around these people. Right. And so for me, I started like skipping classes and not really going and I would stay in my dorm and I would cook and I would cook these like elaborate meals. And GW has um, each dorm had like its own kitchen, like each room had its, its just they're basically like better apartments than like I've lived in ever since. Um, and so I would just stay and cook. And I remember my roommate would come home and I'm like, I made move freaks and <laughs> <laughs> like, I baked Madeline's. <laughs> and she's like, didn't you have a class today? I'm like, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> um, and then my, I remember at one point my mom was like, why don't you just go to culinary school? And I was like, I'm already in school. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, but you don't seem to want to do the school stuff. Like you just want to cook. And so I, that's when I ended up taking off and doing, um, and going to culinary school for uh, eight months. Um, but it was, uh, it was like, a, it was my escape from that world that I, I just didn't like, that it was just, it felt like icky, right? It was just kind of like people didn't really care about, and especially, and had a lot to do with the specific major I was in because these were people that wanted to be like spin doctors, basically. Right. Um, but I wanted to get away from that, and the food just felt more pure, and it felt more, you know, like tangible and real, you know, and like like solid, like something that I could start to finish and enjoy, and something that I could share and that brought people together in, instead of like, you know, this this fighting aspect of. Right. The, the political stuff in that um but you know but it's it's been years since then I've, and it's yeah it is absolutely political <laughs> still like it's yeah that there's that aspect of it of you know again of bringing people together but I think that that's not necessarily always the case like you're bringing people together when it's you know generally people talk about food bringing people together but I think it's more about food is what you do when you're already together right right? Like you're already at that table together and then, and then the food is the thing you're doing. Um, it's not like, you know, it might bring your family together, but you know, from like the different rooms in your house or it might be something you do, or like if you're at like, at the, you know, if you're at college with people and then, yeah, you're all eating at, in the dining hall together, but like you, there's already things in common there. Like you're already going to that same school. You're already in the same family. You're already, you know, in the same city. Like there's already something that that has brought you together that's not necessarily the food right. the food is an action it's it's like a thing you're doing um but you know if, if food brought people together we wouldn't have like the jokes about thanksgiving and and like the racist aunts right. and stuff like that um yeah and so no there's i i think it is it's it's not as like it's not a hallmark card right. it's not it's not like as poetic and as as I think people think it is. I think it is tricky. I think we make everything that we do as a decision. 
um, you know, in, in Vermont when I'm cooking and trying to figure out all these dietary restrictions and stuff, my goal is making sure that everybody gets to eat, everybody gets to enjoy, to feel safe, mm-hmm. regardless of, you know, what it is that they can or can't eat. Um, but then also to try to make the best choices possible within what's available. Um, and I have restrictions, I have budgets, and I have access to some stuff and not access to other things. Um, there's also, you know, you like, you know, oh God, like I love a container of peeled garlic, mm-hmm. especially when I have to cook food for 35 people, right? But I don't, nec- I know that the peeled garlic is not necessarily the best choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's like, I'm like, okay, so I'm like weighing, I'm constantly weighing things. And I'm like, all right, so like, what is the priority at this point? Um, and then versus this point. So it's, it's things that are constantly always changing. Uh, and yeah, and I think that like with anything else that varies throughout, you know, that day, like I might feel about something someday and like my priorities might be different today yeah. or even like at breakfast and they are at the, at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Like you're constantly shuffling. I think it's, it is obviously impossible for us to be a hundred percent quote unquote good right (laughs) (laughs) I think we all have our like compromises that we have to make they're compromises that we're forced to make a lot of times that we don't you know it's not even an option for us like you've talked about your limitations like on on the island um and even like in in my neighborhood or like what's available especially like during this pandemic I was getting a lot of food delivered because I didn't want to go into the grocery stores because I want to stay healthy so that I can interact with my parents right so there's my priority is being able to stay healthy so that I can be with my family so that means that you know maybe I'm ordering stuff on Amazon or I'm getting stuff delivered from Target or whatever that isn't I know isn't the best choice um but right now I'm prioritizing this yeah absolutely and that may shift so yeah so there's like things like that so yeah did I answer did I answer that question Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for taking all this time to chat. Oh my God! Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I I really enjoyed the opportunity to talk about some of these things that are usually just kind of rolling around in my head. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, and having a place to share, and obviously, you know, happy to chat anytime. <laughs> I'll send you those uh, those '90s vegetarian please, recipes please, of my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, the oatmeal fritters are pretty awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait to see this. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you again. Thank you.